0: Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? How'd you enjoy the uh, the worship? Absolutely, give him a hand. It's fantastic. I got so in tune with it that I forgot I was speaking. I'm just sitting over there getting into it, <laughs> thinking, great. I can't wait to hear what Pastor Ricky's going to bring today. And then it dawned on me, I'm actually the one who has to speak today, so... But I appreciate the worship team. We have such a fantastic worship team. It's, it's a uh, phenomenal blessing to have them here in the church. And I uh, also just want to kind of fill you in because I know we had started a series a couple weeks ago on uh, binging the Bible. And today I'm going to kind of take a, a step away from that series. Um, What had happened was that Pastor Ricky was going to be on sabbatical. He was going to take some time off, so we had some different speakers lined up, but just some things didn't work out the way he had planned. So he came back in to speak the last couple weeks, and uh, he's going to finish up uh, Binging the Bible, I believe, next week. Uh, But this message had been kind of percolating on my heart before this all had transpired, and he said, go ahead and go with it. Uh, So today I'm going to talk on uh, defining love. Uh, so we'll talk about that today as we go on. But I just wanted to kind of let you know why, the, why I kind of paused the series. Uh, the other thing is, too, that I really appreciate Pastor Ricky and Carissa, because one of the things that I've learned through, through sharing some messages is that you get challenged in the area that you're going to speak on, and he speaks weekly. So every week that he's up here speaking, I hope you appreciate what he goes through every week to prepare and the challenges that he has to deal with just to go ahead and bring a good word to you all. Uh, so I hope you really appreciate our pastor. I know you do, but I'm very thankful for him and Carissa. Um, another thing, too, I wanted to just mention, I know uh, we're not in really the small group season right now, but I really want to give a shout out to those small group leaders. You've done phenomenal jobs, and I know we're getting ready to do some uh, charity work, some some things with the community here this upcoming month. So it's really important uh, that you uh, realize a tie and tight And see what it is you can do to kind of support the community. And if you're not part of a small group, you can always reach out to the office and find out what small groups are going on right now. Because you can dive in at any time and get to know the people. So today, as I was mentioning, uh, I wanted to kind of talk about defining love. And it it just dawned on me. um, I was finding myself one day uh, in an argument with somebody on Facebook. Has anybody ever gotten in an argument with somebody on Facebook? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> some, some of you have, all right. Uh, it got a little tense too. And, and the person that, uh, that I was kind of interacting with seemed to become very defensive. Uh, let me also tell you, this was, this was a second cousin of mine, <laughs> by the way. And she, she got very uh, agitated with me. And I kept going back and forth with her. Uh, what happened was it was getting so intense, it got me really frustrated. And I was getting kind of angry. Uh, with her. And has anybody ever felt that way with some people that you've maybe gotten into like a Facebook debate or any social media debate? Have you ever noticed how easily people get offended nowadays? It's like you look at them funny and they get offended by something. There just seems so much tension in the world and there's just so many different issues that are rising right now that we're dealing with. I mean, how many of you felt the tension out there now? It's like you can cut it with a knife. Think about it, the economy, the gas prices. I mean, on the way in, we were excited. We saw gas at 3.86 somewhere, or was, no, I'm sorry, it was like 3.76. They get you in, and if you pay cash, and then if you do the credit card, it jumps to 3.86. Like, why does it matter? But it's just funny how you look at the gas prices nowadays, or the price of food, or housing. How expensive everything has become, and our belief systems are being challenged a lot by society today. We just live this fast-paced lifestyle that it's really tough to relax and just enjoy life. And I noticed that people are really short tempered and they quickly become angered. And have you noticed how they like to call people names now? They'll blame other people and they'll call them names. If you point somebody out for something that they did, have you ever noticed they turn it on you and attack you now? I've never, growing up, if you did something wrong, you corrected it. Now, if you mention it to anybody, they get upset at you for pointing it out. It's like even when you drive, you're driving the speed limit. And they, when they go real fast, they get up on your tail and they try to push you a little bit. Then they finally pass by you and they'll flip you off as they go by. Has that happened to any of you? Yeah, a lot of you. I just, I, I tell my kids all the time, honey, it's okay. They're just telling me I'm number one in their life. They just love me that much. They're number one. And uh, to, be, to be a little transparent, as, as you know, I am with you all. Um, I'm doing this talk on love and <laughs> Michelle and I were on the way in. And on the way in, I was trying to get into the lane to turn into the, to Sun Lake Boulevard. And there was a car that was just driving slow enough on my, on my back bumper that I couldn't pull over. And I had my blinker on for a while, and they just stayed there. And then as I started to pull over, they sped up. So I'm, you know, I'm beeping at them at the, because I got to hurry up and get here to church because I got a mission to be here. And here it turns out they, they uh, come to church today also. <laughs> so, so you talk about being humbled. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to bring that up, Phil. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so crazy out there. I mean, do you ever just feel wore out, like you're overwhelmed at times? I mean, you get really frustrated. I think all of us do. And sometimes we end up responding in the flesh. We're, we're, we're short-tempered and we're quick with people. And if many of you feel like that way today, you know, sometimes it feels like we're powerless. I want to really bring some hope to you and discuss the power that we actually have through Christ. See we don't have to live frustrated. We're not powerless as the world is. It's the way that we respond to many things. It's the way that we respond it gives us power and if we respond in love we have power. There's love power. And really to understand this power we need to really define love. And I could have taken this talk many different directions. This could be a whole series just talking about the love of God. But I wanted to kind of just hone in on defining what the word love really is. And and I started thinking, I was laughing at myself the other day, you know, what is love? When I thought that, I started thinking of that Hardaway song. Remember that song back in the day, What is Love? I'm not going to sing it for you, but do you remember the song? (laughs) Yeah. So I started thinking, I started laughing to myself, yeah, what is love? Yeah, I'm not going to sing it, because <laughs> we'll lose more people. And it's also funny today, because I am going to go through some definitions, some vocabulary, just to break down some words and maybe bring some extra context to some words. And I had to laugh, because I think I've told several of you before, when my kids found my old report card from the seventh grade, I had a third grade reading level. Third grade reading vocabulary. And today, I'm going to sit here and talk about definitions, I know the nuns at the Catholic school I went to would be very impressed I can actually stand up here and talk in front of people nowadays. So without understanding love, it's really difficult to walk in its power. See, the world likes to throw that word around a lot and they end up diminishing the meaning of the word love. We hear all the time, oh, I love this, or I love that, or I love you. And I, was, I remember watching American Idol uh, last season, and some, one, of the, one of the country singers, she'd always do this little heart thing to people. Oh, I love you. And I'm like, you don't love me. You don't even know me. How do you love me if you don't know me? It's just this word gets thrown out all the time, and it diminishes its power. See, love isn't really based upon a feeling. That's what the world says. We just need to love everybody. Whatever anyone does, it's okay, as long as we love everybody. I felt like I was telling my wife I was going to dress up in my old uh, costume. I had like this hippie costume with dreadlocks, and that would have really mess you guys up. But it would come in here like what with, with the, uh, the old uh, hippie saying of, the, of peace, love, and joy, and all that, just to show you what the world thinks of love. They don't truly understand the power of love. And with the mindset, it diminishes the true power. So I wanted to define love. And it's interesting when I looked it up and started doing some research, I was looking up the word love on the internet. And if you look up the word, I came up with there were four types of love. There was eight types of love. There was 12 types of love. There was 24 types of love. And I'm thinking, okay, how many types of, what? what is all these loves out there? What are we going to focus on? So I ended up landing on a site that discussed the four types of love mentioned in the Bible. And I think we're going to put them up. The first one is storge, empathy, empathy bond. I called it storage the first time I looked at it, but it's actually pronounced storge. It's an empathy bond. The second type of love is phila, which is a friend bond, love of friends. Eros, romantic love. That's what you hear on, all the, on the music today, uh, romantic love. And then number four, agape, the unconditional God love. Agape, the unconditional God love. And for for today, we're gonna focus in on agape love. See, agape is the highest form of love. It's the love of God for man, and the one definition said also, and man for God. But in reality, I believe it's the love of God for man. See, agape, it embraces a deep and profound, sacrificial love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstances. Deep, profound, and sacrificial. I mean, doesn't that just describe our Jesus? When you hear the word agape, doesn't that describe Jesus? See, the world wants us to talk about the power of love, but they don't really understand the real power. They don't understand the highest form and how to operate in it. They cannot fathom God's love for us and how powerful it is. Sometimes as Christians, we have a difficult time understanding God's love for us. Let me give you an example. Let's look uh, look first Let's look first at uh, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Power that comes from God. And in a minute, we're going to see some scriptures where God is love. So if you transfer the word love for God, power that comes from love. See, if you look at these, uh, in these verses, when you look at the word love, it's all translated Agape. God's love for man. And the two scriptures I want to also point out and share with you are 1 John 4.8. 1 John 4.8 says, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. That's what I was mentioning to you a minute ago. For God is love. And then 1 John 4.16, and this is in the New Living Translation, God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Again, the word for love here is the Greek word agape. So if we're putting all this together, there's power in love, and God is love, and as we live in God, we're operating in his love. So knowing this, how do we even understand agape love? So to do this, I want to go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13, they usually call this the love chapter, And a lot of times before you get married, they'll have you read this with your spouse, the love chapter. But before we dive in, let's discuss some of the the background of the Corinthians, just to bring some more context to the scriptures. See, uh, 1 Corinthians was believed to have been written by Paul towards the end of his stay at Ephesus. See, Corinth was a thriving city at the time. It was a chief city of Greece, both commercially and politically. So it it, it yielded a lot of influence. It had two harbors, which is a big deal back in the day. And trade would flow from, the cities of, uh, from, from cities in Italy and Spain to Asia and Egypt. And the people were interested in Greek philosophy and wisdom. A lot of head knowledge is what they were interested in. They had 12 temples dedicated to their gods. And these are temples. These are large buildings, not a school. These are huge buildings. One was for Aphrodite. And she was the goddess of love and religious prostitution. There was also a Jewish synagogue there. And see, Corinth was a center of open and unbridled immorality. Worship of Aphrodite alone had 1,000 priestess prostitutes. 1,000. That's like taking a small section in Emily Arena when the lightning play, and that would be the priestess prostitutes. So common was the practice that it was called Corinthizing to be Corinthicized, to practice sexual immorality. That's kind of the setting of the Corinthian church. The church itself developed factions in morality. It was clear the church was gifted, but it was immature and unspiritual. It was noted that this letter is still timely for the church today because as Christians, we still be, we're still influenced by culture. Have you noticed how culture still creeps into our lives today? how we're influenced by worldly things. See, some of the problems they dealt with were immaturity, instability, divisions, jealousy, envy, marital difficulties, sexual immorality, and misuse of spiritual gifts. Does that sound like the world today? With the background, with that type of background, let's now turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, chapter, uh, verse 4. But, you know, I want to make sure I set this up uh, well for you also. To set this up, understand that there were factions developing within the church based upon beliefs, and some were seeking status through the exercise of the gifts, and the status appeared to be important to them. They wanted to be known for things. Also, as we read this, the NIV noted, the NIV notes, it stated that the word love is agape. So we're going to talk about agape love here. They're going to define the word agape. And this word, it says, indicates a selfless concern for the welfare of others. Just think about how that represents our Christ, how that is just like Jesus is, how his love was so great for us that he manifested it upon the cross. So as we discuss this, I want you to look at this word as Christ himself. Remember, God is love. Christ is love. So as we're defining love, we're defining Christ. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. I love that last line. Love never fails. So as we go through this, I want to break down a few of these words and just kind of look at their significance to our lives and to who Jesus is. Because remember this, also scripture, uh, 1 John 4.17. 1 John 4.17 in the King James Bible says, As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. So as we're defining love, we're defining Christ. As he is, so are we. So love is patient. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. Trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. You know, sometimes I realize how impatient I've been with my spouse and my children. Sometimes we get so caught up on goal setting and so focused on just excelling and achieving in life that we become very short with people. Love also, is, is the patience also steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity? And a thing that came to my mind yesterday as we were driving, uh, a thought prompted, was prompted in my mind. We often pray for patience. How many people have prayed for patience before? I've heard people say they pray for patience. And what do you get? Situations to make you more patient. Is that, is that not correct? You don't get more patience, you get situations. Well, if patience is love, why don't we pray that we understand more of Jesus' love? Because if we understand more of Jesus' love, we become patient. That was pretty good. That was, that was, thank you, Lord. The Lord is long-suffering, for he doesn't want any to perish. And, you know, I I think about myself at times. um, I mentioned about how I treat my spouse, but there's times I'm impatient with people. Even coming into church, that person was driving the lane. I needed him to get out of the way. So those things creep into our lives. What else is love? Love is also kind. It's to show one's self mild, to show one'self mild, wanting to do good and bring happiness to others. Love does not envy. There was a commentary that I read on envy, and it said that envy is one of the least productive and most damaging of all sins. Least productive and most damaging. It accomplishes nothing except to hurt. Love keeps its distance from envy. It doesn't resent it when someone else is promoted or blessed. Think about your job situation. How many people get envious of others when they get promoted? Or even in your home, do you get jealous if your spouse is promoted? There's so many things that people can become envious of. Envy can eat at your soul and it'll even sour your soul. Love wants us to promote others. They want wants us to promote and bless others. See, when we get in the spotlight, it's an opportunity to shed that light onto someone else, to uplift and encourage other people. That's what love is. Love is not boastful. Boastful is a self-display employing re- rhetorical embellishments and extolling oneself excessively. See, love doesn't need the limelight or attention. Love gives without wanting to be found out. Love doesn't parade around doing things and blowing its own horn. It reminded me of example of giving, how when the Pharisees were giving, they made sure everybody saw it. When we give, we give quietly. Now, you can use some stories and examples to help teach people. We had a really neat story happen recently. My wife felt prompted to help a family member out. And as she did this, out of the goodness of her heart, she helped the family member out you know how cool our God is and how awesome he is? Not only did he replenish what she gave, he also gave more than, the, more than what she gave that it even paid for tithe and an offering. God is so awesome. And when you take care of giving and bless other people, he takes care of you. Love is not proud. Pride is to inflate, blow up, or to cause to swell up, to be puffed up, to bear oneself loftily. Love's not arrogant. It's not self-focused. It's not thinking highly of ourselves and always having to be right. Spiritual pride is very dangerous. It's looking down on others thinking you're spiritually moral, morally superior. Spiritually and morally superior. And I have to admit to you, I did this when I first got saved and got into the Word. I started to learn a lot. And I thought, man, I knew so much. And I would look down on people if they didn't know as much or if they weren't following what the Word said. It's easy to get in that type of uh, environment when you start to get into the word and understanding God's love. Love's not rude. It's not to act unbecomingly. At times it's wanting, a, it's, at times it is wanting its own way and pushing others to get it, emotionally and spiritually. That's what being rude is. And sometimes that reminds me of TV pastors, how they'll manipulate things to get you to do certain things. That's not what love is. Love's not self-seeking, which means taking advantage of other people to benefit yourself. See, love looks at the interest of others as well as self. Love is never satisfied, but in the welfare, comfort, and salvation of all. Does that not sound like our Jesus? Amen. Love is looking out for the good of others. Love is looking at others equally to yourself. Love is not easily angered. It means it's not easily provoked and irritated with others, not having a short fuse and blowing up quickly. Love actually clings to peace. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't store up memory of any wrong it's received. Love puts away the hurts of the past instead of clinging to them. It forgives because forgiveness is freeing. See, we all have different levels of forgiving, but ultimately, we must have to let go to be free. It reminds me of a story I read about the Polynesian people. It's customary for the Polynesian men to keep reminders of hatred for others who have wronged them. Any wrong done to them, they'll suspend something from the roof as a reminder. So let me ask you, what are you suspending from your roof that needs to come down? What are we rehashing and reinforcing? What hurts? Is it time to kind of cut that down and let it go? Is it time to let go of the wrongs you committed also and, let, and, and forgive yourself? Keep no record of wrongs of yourself. The reason I say that, because Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't keep any record wrongs, records of your wrongs. Your sins, he remembers no more. You need to let him go. Love does not delight in evil. The world delights in doing evil while saying it's all about love. I say that tongue in cheek. They say we should love everybody as they go around doing unmentionable things. See, love cares for the person but doesn't accept the evil behavior and celebrate it. You can love a person without condoning their behavior. Love rejoices in the truth. What is truth? Truth is all the facts about something rather than the things that are imagined or invented. See, Jesus is the truth. John 14, 6, I'm going to read to you. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's truth. We rejoice in Jesus and his love for us. See, love always protects also. It covers. It keeps us safe. When you're walking in love, you have a covering, and you cover others. It's just like if you had good parents, how they took care of you when you were raised, how they covered you. With love, we care enough to cover cover each other in prayer. Even in our small groups every week, we're praying for each other. We're praying for you in the church, and we're also praying for our pastor and his family. And also remember this, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. It's always about what Jesus has done for us. Love always trusts. To place confidence in is what trust means. To trust in Jesus or God is able to either, is, is able to aid either in obtaining or doing something. See, with God, all things are possible. Love always hopes. Hope has expectation. To walk in salvation with joy and confidence is hope. It's an earnest, intense expectation of something good. Remember Romans 8, 28? It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. I mean, love love endures it remains. There'll be, tri- There'll be troubling times in life, but love remains. It bears bravely and calmly ill treatment. It holds fast to one's faith in Christ, no matter what the trial is. I think of it also as holding fast to prayer for your family members. So as we go through this, were you able to see Jesus in many of these, type of, in many of these definitions? Isn't it, isn't it a beautiful portrait of what our Jesus is. Remember, as he is, so are we. So where are you at in your love walk? Did you sense some areas you were somewhat lacking in as we went through this? You don't have to raise your hand, but just kind of think about that for a minute. Did something stir within you? If so, I have some good news for you that we'll discuss here in a minute. And my talk is pretty quick today. I'm actually going to invite the band up here now as I start to wrap up, because I want to bring some really good news. I know as many of you are going through some of this as you were thinking about things that maybe you're a little weak lacking, or you might need a little bit of uh, change or guidance in, I want to talk to you about the very last line. Love never fails. Love never fails. The word never, the Greek word is, uh, you have to help me out here, Help me out, folks. Odepote? Odepote. I'm Greek, and I can't even speak it. So (laughs) I can eat it, but I can't speak it. (laughs) My wife speaks Greek better than I do. Odepote. Not even at any time. Never means not even at any time. And let's look also at the word fail. Fail in the Greek is pipto to fall under judgment or come under condemnation. This fires me up, and I get really excited right at this point. Because if you look at this, never means not even at any time to fall under judgment or come under condemnation. Do you see how freeing that is? See, Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, so maybe when you were feeling a few things you want to work on today, we'll talk about how to do that. But I don't want you to feel condemned. I want you to understand how freeing love is. I want you to see how empowering love is. I want you to understand how powerful you are when you're operating in, in agape love. And if there are areas that you feel you fell short in, I want to share a couple things with you. Realize this, love also corrects and disciplines. For example, don't we correct our children? When we see things or potential areas that could harm them, don't we correct them? So we're protecting them from harm. The same thing happens for us. So if God is love and love corrects, God does also. So I wanna share a scripture with you and then we're gonna walk through this real quick as we wrap up. I want to look at Hebrews 12, 5 through 6 in NIV. And, and you have forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Now, I really today don't have enough time to really develop this topic fully, but I want you to realize this God does help. He uses course correction for us, so we'll become more like Jesus as we grow in our faith and spend more time with him. He'll bring situations into our lives and certain people who can influence us to grow deeper in our faith and in the understanding of the love of Christ. Have you had people come into your life that have helped guide you spiritually? Have you had situations that have occurred that made you start searching out more things from the word? I know several of you have experienced this. So see, love does correct. But I also want you to see something about the correction. We always take correction as a bad thing. That's not how it's set up with love. If you look at the scripture, Hebrews twelve two in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix our eyes on Jesus. This is a powerful way to have a course correction, folks. I think it's the most powerful way As we grow in love, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. You can't do this in the physical. Sometimes we try to take like a behavior plan or something we want to work on, and we try to do it in ourselves, and it doesn't work. Fix our eyes on Jesus and understand more of how much Jesus loves us. According to the Blue Letter Bible, fixing your eyes means turn the eyes away from other things and fix them on something else, as Jesus. Where are your eyes fixed? What have your eyes been fixed on? When you fix your eyes upon something, you tend to gravitate toward it, folks. Have you noticed that? As you intently gaze upon something, it influences the direction your mind goes, and where your mind goes, your behavior goes. See, folks, we can only change so much in ourselves, as I was mentioning, but when we look to the love of Jesus and desire to be with him, we start to change our course starts correcting. You become more like him, and when you do, you're operating more in love. So the takeaway today is to focus our eyes on Jesus and his love for us Then allow him to change us. And I think as we do this, we become more powerful in love and can have more influence with people. So as I conclude today, I just want you to understand what love is and the power it holds and how it develops through understanding the love of Christ. Did some of you take something away from this today? Good. Because when you understand truly the love of Christ, it will affect every area in your life. So as I wrap up, I'll just reach out to you. If you don't feel you have a relationship with Jesus yet, you're here today, I'd like to pray for you. I want you to realize the power that is in the love of Christ and how he can change your life. So, Father, today, for those of you, who, those of, for those that have not had a relationship with you yet, Lord, who have not accepted you into their heart, I pray, Lord, that they get a revelation of your love, Lord, that they seek after you, Lord, and that they want to know you better, Father God. That they say, Lord, come into my heart. Change me, Lord. Take over my life and lead and guide me. And, Lord, I pray for those that have already accepted Christ, that we learn to understand more of your love and as we allow it to change and permeate our life, Lord, that we walk in your love, your agape love, and that we treat our brothers and sisters the way that you want us to treat, Lord, that we attract people to you because your love is so great. Thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.